Hebrews 11.6. We're going to throw that up on the screen in a few seconds at the count of three. Let's read that together. One, two, three. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Father, right now, I thank you for the opportunity to come together. And your word says where two or three are gathered in your midst, you are here. So, Father, we come together, and I ask you to blow the minds of your people today. Open our expectation, our eyes, our understanding. We pray that the God of hope fill each and every person with joy and peace and believing that they would be then by the power of the Spirit of God have a confidence of hope, confident hope in their life. Father, blow their minds. Let them begin to see things differently, that they are not stuck at any level, that what people have labeled them, we bind in the name of Jesus. What people have, have negatively spoke over, the, over them, we uproot it in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that the anointing of heaven would hit this place today, that every assignment by the enemy that to hold people back will be nullified today, that every assignment would be canceled today, that every curse would be broken and reverse today, that everything that the enemy has used against them that would fall apart. No weapon formed against them shall prosper and every tongue that rises against them in the name of Jesus we cancel it. We condemn it in the name of Jesus. Father God I decree over your people today wherever they're at in their walk with you that today is the day of a next step that today is the beginning of a new season, that today is a day of freedom and liberty in, the, in their life. Father God I thank you that you can do more beyond what we can imagine or think but you are revealing it to us by your spirit today we thank you father god in the name of jesus i decree and speak the name of jesus over every situation and what used to be impossible in perception will now look easy in the name of jesus father what would used to intimidate will no longer even catch their attention what would cause them to run in fear now just emboldens them with faith i thank you father god i speak over your people that not one of them here today not one person watching online not one person watching through tv father god i speak over their lives that as of this day they will no longer walk in fear for you have not given them the spirit of fear but of power and love and sound mind embolden them today by your anointing Father God I thank you we decree and declare over their lives that they are set free in their mind they are set free in their emotions I thank you every negative soul tie that has held them back from a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship I command it to be uprooted out of their life right now in the name of Jesus I speak freedom for whom the Son has set free Free is free indeed. I speak freedom over their thinking and their minds. I speak freedom over their body. I speak freedom over their heart. I speak freedom over their spirit. I speak freedom over their spirit over their finances. I speak freedom over their soul. Father God, I thank you all that belongs to you, Lord Jesus, by the blood. We command it to come into alignment with the word of God. And we give you the praise. We give you the glory. Strike this place with your presence, Father God. Mark this place with your anointing today. Leave no doubters. And we give you praise and everyone shouted. Amen. Amen. Turn and attack two or three people. And you may be seated in the name of the Lord. Hebrews 11.6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
Without faith, it is impossible. We need faith, but faith is motivated by love, not by trying to impress. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Abram struggled with the fact of trying to achieve the place that God had for him. Abram had struggles trying to achieve the place that he had designed for himself. For in those days, the name had a meaning. Nowadays, people just pick names based on trends. Yep. I, I mean, you look at it, someone and say, why would you name that kid? That, oh, it's, it's a popular name. So it's more on trend. But in those days, it was on meaning and expectation. Have you ever had an expectation about your future? Have you ever had an expectation about your children? Have you ever walked into a marriage having an expectation of that marriage? Have you had an expectation of that new job or your career? They tell us that in life that we get to a place and we look back and say, oh, I remember when I was in my early teens and 20s and how I, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and, and dreaming big and then you get into what they call reality. You look back and you have to learn to settle for the way life is. That's how the world tells us. But I want to speak into your life today by the anointing of the Word of God that all of a sudden we can be awakened to the reality that what God said 20 years ago is still possible today. Amen. Are you listening to me? Your marriage can be a great marriage. Your body can be healthy and alive. Your, your mind can be sharp. Are you listening to me? We don't have to follow the systems of the world that says at a certain age things begin to decline and it is what it is and you just got to go along with it. If it hadn't happened by this time of life, just start dealing with it. You don't, oh, it's a midlife crisis. We understand everybody goes through it. Why do you think everybody has to go through it? Why don't we change the game? Why don't we change the game? Why don't we change the game up a little bit? Why do we as believers have to follow the world's system when God's system can override anything the world has created. Are you with me today? I want to speak into the lives of, of you today, that those who are open and dare to believe that God is who he says he is, and that God can do what he says he can do, and that God is a rewarder. That doesn't mean he's just going to let you fantasize in a candy, line, candy land. No, he created his word, and you begin to find it in the promises of his word, and say, God, if you said it, you're not a respecter of persons. If you said it, you can do it, and if you said you wanted to do it, you have a desire to do it for me too. I'm going to choose to dare to believe. I'm might have to make some changes to get into the alignment to receive, but I'm open to change out of obedience to the Word of God, not being manipulated, controlled by people who are telling you what to do only to make their own egos feel better. No, we are looking for the wisdom of God from the Word of God revealed by the Spirit of God, but I'm telling you, God has a way of creating a change in your game. Are you listening? Look at your neighbor and say, my game's about to change. Come on, you got to work with me today, and we'll get out of here, and you go eat, well, maybe not. You can't say that when you're on a 21-day fast, can you? <laughs> See, my game's about to change. Don't be quick to embrace the trend of the world for your own life. You can be exempt from what the world is going through. 
It doesn't mean you won't have to deal with it from time to time. It doesn't mean it might not walk, uh, walk up to your door and knock on it from time to time. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you hear my voice, just because someone's knocking doesn't mean you need to open the door. You, be, you better learn. We need to learn to discern the voices that are coming from all over. The Bible talks about there's a lot of voices in the world. There's a lot of voices in the church world. Some people will say one thing. Some people will negate it with something completely different. Someone says God doesn't heal. Someone says God does heal. Someone says God wants you blessed. Someone says God wants you poor. Some, you better find what the Word says about the voice. You better get your voice from the Word of God. Are you with me? Because you don't open the door and welcome into your world, into your life, anything just because it's reached your door. Well, the doctor said, well, that's what the doctor says. What, is, what does the word say? I'm not saying we don't appreciate doctors. We do, we do appreciate. We have a doctor to my right sitting there. We love doctors. We love the medical field. They do their best, but there is a level beyond even the best of the doctors. We have to understand that. There is a place that God is. He is the great physician. There is the top physician. I remember years ago being in a hospital uh, with one of the members of the church, and they had different doctors coming through. And we're saying things, and I just asked. I said, excuse me, doctor. I said, you're saying this. And he said, yeah. And I, I said, yeah, but f some other doctors yesterday were saying the complete opposite. And he said, well, let me, let me put it this way. And this guy was, at the time, he was one of the top physicians in Barnes. That he had created and invented processes that they adopted in their medical, in, at the hospital. And he said, there's a lot of white coats in this building referring to doctors. There's a lot of white coats in this building. And if you ask them a question, they're going to give you an answer. He said, but most of them are going to be wrong. You listen to what I'm telling you. <laughs> now, that's an eye-opener, isn't it? Because we want to think all doctors are perfect, but only Jesus is perfect. And my Bible tells me he is the... I'm not saying ignore your doctor. I'm not saying don't do what your doctor says. That's what I'm saying. I, I would encourage you to get two or three opinions right? But I'm telling you that there is, there's levels of doctors in the medical field. And beyond the greatest of the doctors in the medical field, we have the great physician that comes from the Word of God. That's my point. Do you see it? Israel was exempt. Do you realize when God was using Moses to bring down the Egyptian gods one at a time, and that's what those curses were all about. Moses would speak and say, okay, the water is going to be turned to blood because God told them, turn that water into blood. It was because they prayed to a God for their water. They had a water God, and God basically, he kept hardening the heart of Pharaoh. He wasn't doing it just because he wanted to do it. He, you're like, God, why don't you let your people go? No, he wanted to defeat every one of the gods of Egypt. Before he took them down, he wanted to let them know that there is only one God. So it didn't matter if it was the water. They prayed to water God. He said, okay, let's see what your God can do. Yeah, I man, you got, you got to read the Bible. God is bad to the bone. I mean, he, he, he sometimes pick fights. Some of these prophets of the Old Testament, they just pick fights. But everything that was happening to Egypt, if you read, as you study the Word of God, and challenge everything I say with the Word. Challenge everything anybody tells you. Don't, uh, don't be quick to adapt ideas because you heard someone say it. Right. You need to say, mm, that's interesting, I'm going to write that down and find that. Because even if they're a good person, they can misspeak. Right. You know you can, you've done it yourself in your own house. But dad, you said, I didn't say that, mm -hmm, you did say that. Well, I, meant, I didn't mean that. Yeah. 
So challenge is a good thing to have in your life. But with all the things going on on Egypt, and they were under the, the judgment of God, the Bible says it did not affect Goshen. That's where the people of Israel lived. They were exempt from what God was doing in the world. We think they were dealing with, no, they, can you imagine being a servant in a house and they're kind of saying, oh, this is so horrible. I got all these, all these grasshoppers everywhere. And you're like, mm, not in my house. Come on, somebody. Come on, say, not in my house. Say, not in my house. Let me hear you today because the enemy will try to knock on your door and try to creep in. And if he gets in through a window, you got to kick that sucker out and let him know, not in my house. So I'm going to be exempt today, amen? See, my game's changing. And so just because things are happening around us doesn't mean they have to happen to us or in us. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. God, it doesn't mean we don't deal with challenges. It's just the fact that God is a rewarder and that he can give you victory Amen. over these elements in life. 1 John 5, 4. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want to encourage you to just lift your hand right now and just take 30 seconds and begin to thank him that he's your game changer. He's changing your game right now. He is your rewarder. He's your heavenly father. He's your Abba God. Thank you, Father God. I want to talk about one of the game changers for our lives. Everything keys on, in my opinion, these two elements. Many years ago, I was, I was getting done preaching on a Sunday morning, and as I was walking off the platform, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to, real clearly to my heart, and he said, consider nothing sacred but me, and consider nothing sacred but me. At that time, I realigned some things in life and ministry, because even in ministry, we're, we're trained to consider, consider methods to be sacred. And at that point, I realized that the only thing sacred in, in ministry will be the Word of God and the presence of God. People argue about songs, they argue about methods, they argue about ideas, about lights or lack of lights, or I remember years ago about hymnals or throwing the, the not using him. There's so many things the world, the church world will try to suck you into to argue, but consider nothing sacred but his word and his presence. Today I want to focus on the presence of God, the anointing of God. It is a game changer. It is a game changer. Say, the anointing of God, anointing of God is a game changer. The anointing has been so misunderstood. The anointing is more than an emotion. It's more than a goosebump. Ooh, that was a powerful song. That was anointed. We define the anointing for so, as so many different things. The anointing is more than a goosebump, more than an emotion. It's tangible. It's real. The anointing is one of those things that can literally bring you beyond your best. Abram could never achieve his expectation because Abram literally means a father of a nation. And God said, listen, Abram, you cannot do this. We all agree. Yes, sir. It's too late for even to even try to get started. Yes, sir. 
So I'm going to change your name. And I wonder at that moment, and we don't know, and the, the scripture doesn't tell us, but these are real people. Yeah. Don't read the Bible as a fairy tale story. Read it as a newspaper. I wonder in the moment when God said, I'm going to give you a new name, if Abram would have thought, Whew, I hope it's good neighbor. <laughs> Abram is here. <laughs> you'll, you'll get that later. State Farm. He might have came up with a bunch of quick things saying, man, get me out of this expectation that I can never achieve. Get me out of this rat race of something that I live with constant disappointment. Constant I could have been, would have been, should have been, didn't become. And God said, I'm going to change your name. And he said, okay. And I can only imagine he might have thought, great, I don't have to be called father of a nation. He goes, I'm going to change it to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. Yeah. Yeah. Has God ever dealt with you, ministered to you, spoke his word to you, revealed to you something, and you thought it's going to be good, and then you're like, really? You just made it harder. Yeah. <laughs> right? He said, I'm going to, I want you to live in a life that is beyond what you could never do in your own ability. You failed at what your goals are. I'm going to extend what you thought was be a great idea. Are you listening? Some of you have been struggling to achieve your greatest goal, and God, your Heavenly Father wants you to know, I'm about to change your goal, and I'm going to make it greater than what you thought would be great. God will take what you thought was great and make it average. I feel that's for somebody. God will take what you thought would be awesome, and he's going to make it average because he wants to do more exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. See, my game is changing right now. So God told Abraham, I'm going to change it to Abraham, which doesn't mean a father of a nation. It's a father of many nations. And I, I can only imagine if Abraham thought, you want me to go home and tell my, my, tell my wife, tell my neighbors, my name has changed, that God changed it, and that now I'm not called a father of a nation, which I failed to do, but you've called me to be a father of many nations. That's like telling somebody, you've been walking around saying, I'm a business owner, but you have been failing as a business owner. And God said, I'm going to change your title. You're not, a, you're not the you're not an owner of a business you're owner of a corporation many corporations are you thinking I just failed a business how can I succeed at that and God said you can't because you can only do what you can do but if you trust me I'll fill in the gap are you with me today he will take you beyond your very best the anointing of God will propel you now I'm not against preparation I'm not against education I I encourage you we need to prepare ourselves we need to get information we need to get education I have an MBA on my own out of uh, University of Lindawood on marketing. I have an undergraduate degree from the University of Missouri, St. Louis in business and marketing and computer programming. But, you know, with all that said, that can't define us. We have to be willing to say, I have prepared, I'm working to prepare, and you maybe have not started. I encourage you to read and get prepared. But beyond that, you have to learn to look beyond that. You have to begin to dream beyond that. Some of our hopes and goals are within the framework of that. And God said, listen, you're not trusting me if everything's within your reach of your ability you have to begin to let your eyes be open beyond your best so God can you know we need to be a little scared sometimes not in fear from the enemy but all the intimidation of God you want me to do what 
I can only imagine what Peter thought when he had a great idea seeing Jesus walk on the water and they begin to freak out and said, oh, it's a ghost. And Jesus said, no, it's me. Don't be afraid. And, Jesus, and Peter spoke up. Peter's one of these quick jumpers and said, Lord, if that's you, call me out on the water. I can only Peter, imagine Peter was may, maybe, maybe trying to impress his friends that he's the first one to ask. And maybe in the back of his mind, I know none of us have ever done that, we ask something in the moment and then when the dust settles, we thought, what did we just do? <laughs> you just gave a big offering in the moment. Get home, what did I just do? You just told somebody, come on, bring everybody over to the house this week in my place. I'll, uh, I'll have dinner for you. And you're like, what did I just do? That reminds me of this family that they were having friends over, and the four-year-old daughter was watching her mom cook and prepare, and they all sit around a big table, and they, they going to begin with prayer, and they decided to let their daughter pray, and they're like, would you pray over the food? And she's like, I, I don't know how to pray over the food. You can do it. I, I don't know what to say. Oh, just pray the way you hear mommy prays. So a little girl bowed her head and said, oh, God, I hope these people don't stay long tonight. I don't know where that came from, but we just let it in there. We'll get right back. But I think God's looking for people. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the whole earth, looking to whom he can show himself strong. You know, I believe when Peter began to say, call me out, and Jesus said, come. I, I wonder, I don't know. I'm going to ask him one day when we get to heaven. I wonder in that millisecond of the moment if he just thought, what did I just do? I thought it was a great idea, but he just actually invited me into a place that I've never been before. Yeah. He's invited me to move beyond what I'm familiar with because he was a professional fisherman. If anybody knows you don't step out and walk on water, it would be a professional fisherman. He's probably many times jumped out of that boat. And not once in all his past experiences did he ever walk. But this time something changed. The game, say the game's changing. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you to do things that you thought, really? Yes. Don't take it because someone told you God told you to do it. Let me help you out. Anytime someone comes to you and says, the Lord's telling me to tell you something, and God will use people to do that. But anytime God does that, it will, one, be alignment with the Word, and two, will always, always, besides being alignment with the Word, it will always, always be a confirmation to what God's already been dealing with you. Anything else? I don't care who they are. Just say, thank you very much. Put it on the back burner, and don't worry about it until the Lord shows you. Is that helping anybody? But I believe just like Peter, the Lord's inviting us out to step out of a boat of what we're familiar with, what we're an expert in, into areas beyond our best. And just like he did Abram, I'm changing your Abraham. You can't do it, but I'm going to fill in the gap. I'm going to change your game because it's not just you alone. Say, I'm not by myself. Say, I'm not by myself. Come on, I want, to, I want you to get this in your mind. The devil will tell you with storms and battles and, and defeats and discouragement that you are alone and God doesn't care and he doesn't see you. But I want you to know the word of God that says he will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you've ever felt alone and discarded by God, I want you to lift your hand and begin to give him praise. I thank you, Father God. I'm not moved by what I feel, hear, or see. I am moved by your word. And you are never, will never, will never, will never leave me nor forsake me. Until he not only won't leave you, he's going to fill in the gap to what he's called you to do that is great and mighty beyond your best ability. Get ready for 2023 to be the greatest year of your life in Jesus' name.
We speak God's word over your life. So what is this thing called the anointing? I like to break it down almost like a three-legged chair in a quick review. Number one, it's the presence of God. The power of God and the ability of God, if you're taking notes. The presence of God. Where did I get that from? Because Jesus is referred to, not Jesus Christ, is really Jesus the Christ. Christ is not his last name. It's Jesus the Christ, which literally means Jesus the Messiah. Christ also means Messiah. It also means the anointed one and his anointing. So when you talk about the anointing of God, it includes, it's the presence of God. We have to understand that. It's the presence of God. You can fake a lot of things in the world, but you can't fake the anointing of God. You can mimic it or try to mimic it with emotion, but those who have discerned and developed their spirit person and in studying the Word of God can discern the difference between what they feel emotionally and what they feel in their spirit. The anointing is burn, removing, yoke, destroying. So the anointing of God is the presence of God. I've seen, I mean, when you go to secular concerts or you see movies and you're just like, whoa, I was so moved. That's emotion. Yeah. And emotion is a great thing to have. It's like dessert. It's that 21-day fast got me talking about food again. <laughs> all of a sudden my mind just started going to all these desserts I'm thinking about tonight. 601, baby. <laughs> Don't you dare call me. If you're on your way to the hospital in an ambulance, you better learn to speak the word and pray and stand on your own. <laughs> My house is on fire. Get a bucket. <laughs> get the kids out. Get the dog out. Call your insurance agent. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> I left on dessert. Where, how, did get to, how did I even get to the dessert? Oh, emotions is like a dessert. Emotions, see, it, emotions are like a dessert, a great thing to have, but you know what I mean? You can't live your life on that. Emotions are to be enjoyed, but not to be the guide. Because if we allow the emotions to guide us, the devil will use that to move us into paths that we have never been called to. We have to rein in the emotions and say, well, because there would be times in your life your emotions will pull you one way, and you know for a fact the Word of God is telling you something different. Oh, I just love them. They're just so wonderful. I just, yeah, you're married, they're married. Leave it alone. I just feel so connected. That's a demon. They're going to make me happy. They didn't make the first five marriages happy. Emotions have to be reined in. Did you hear me? So the anointing, and the world uses emotions because they have no anointing. The church world people will use emotions sometimes because there's no anointing. Because there's people that will, can operate, are you listening to me real quick? There's people that can operate in God's gift without the anointing. We don't like to talk about that in the church world. Because the Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Uh, the anointing, well, we'll get into this in a few seconds, the anointing requires a relationship. And people can get so successful, they walk away from the relationship, but they want the benefit of the gift because it's bringing them things that they like. You think I'm making that up. Let me give you scripture. We challenge everything by the word of God. Samson, 
was strong. That strength was a gift from God. It was assigned to him because his, his assignment was to destroy the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God's people. He began to be lured away, and though he was away from God because he was under the Nazarite vow, and the Nazarite vow wasn't just hair. See, the Nazarite vow was that he would not drink any wine, that he would never touch death, and that he would, that he would not cut his hair. And he did all three. But the anointing didn't change, or the, excuse me, the gift didn't change when he began to violate his covenant. Because he began to drink with the Philistines. Violation. He, he remember the riddle? that he gave them as part of the game, and it was about the hunter and something sweet coming out of the hunter. And they're like, some of you are like, I never heard it. Go challenge, them. go read it. it w- and he talked and described later, they're like, what was it, what was it? He said, I was walking by and I saw a lion that I had killed before, and inside a bunch of bees had made a honey nest inside the carcass, and I reached in and grabbed and ate some of the hum- honey. What did he do? He touched death. So he could operate in the gift of strength, even though he was in violation to his covenant with God. People can operate in their gifting. You could be an anointed, gifted singer and step away from the anointing and still operate in your gift. You could be anointed, gifted preacher. You can, you can operate, listen, you can even operate in the miraculous because of the gifting. And there is a grace and time to repent. And people will use what they see naturally to find what's happening internally, spiritually. And the way to define someone in ministry is not just the natural expression, but what the sensing of the anointing of God. And you have to develop yourself to understand that. But there's an anointing because you cannot fake the anointing of God. Samson would shake himself. Many theologians believe what would happen is when the anointing would come upon him, it would shake him. And when the anointing no longer came upon him, he would try to shake himself to stir up the gift. Until eventually it didn't work. Because he cut his hair. But the gift had not left him. Because later when he was blind and tied up to the post, he repented and said, God, I begin to understand your purpose. More important than my life. Let me have that strength back. Let that gift reactivate and I'll knock this whole thing down. Man, it's getting quiet. The world's filled with singers that were anointed and gifted, and they walked away from the anointing, and now they have the gifting, and they end up dead in a bathtub and partying. People are partying in their hotel room right next to them. We love them. We appreciate them. We value their gift. And the devil will lie and say, it's okay. This is great. Look at the success. And they die in a bathtub. And when the people find them, they don't even call 911. They clean up the room. And if you don't think that's a demon, then their child dies the same way. In a bathtub, overdosing. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. The presence of God. Say the presence of God. The power of God. Say the power of God. The Bible says in Isaiah that the, the anointing, the burden will be removed, the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing of God. It's God's power. And the last but not least, the ability of God. Say the ability of God. Ability. Jesus quoting one day from a prophecy said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Let me read this to you straight up. Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
notice the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me. The anointing comes from the Holy Spirit. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release, pardon, forgiveness to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set it free those who are oppressed and downtrodden, and bruised, crushed by tragedy. By tragedy. Notice, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let me summarize it so we can all walk away with the full understanding. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to do something. He doesn't anoint you just so you had a great service. He doesn't anoint you just because you, to make you feel better and elevated and, wow, I feel like I'm on cloud nine. He also anoints you with somebody else in mind. He anoints you to do something for somebody else. Say the anointing. It's my game changer. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 says, But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth and is no lie, even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Amen. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood earlier. I'm not saying that God doesn't use people to do the miraculous. He does. And I'm not saying miracles and the gifts of the Spirit aren't active. They are. But I'm saying what we have to do is, and we teach around here all the time, challenge everything with the Word of God. Because sometimes people will use a gift to entice and lure you into something down the path that's not of God. I just had that check in my spirit, so I want to make sure I'm clear. The anointing is the presence of God, the ability of God. It's the power of God. It's in my own experience, it's real and tangible. I remember years ago, uh, when I was the associate pastor, and my dad would preach. He was the senior pastor. He pastored Hope Church for 38 years. He, had, he would preach in the Sunday mornings, and in that time frame, I would preach at Sunday night. So I had the Sunday night service. And then we would all do group preaching ministries on Wednesdays. I was thinking about the other day, I've, I've preached almost two messages a week, sometimes three, four, and five, for the last 32 years. I don't look older than 25, do I? Come on, help me out. All that 21-day fasting has made my skin glow. Help me, Jesus. But I remember one, uh, one particular weekend, and I was not feeling good. Yeah, even preachers can deal with and fight sicknesses. And I was like fighting the flu. I knew it was the flu because one, I was shaking. Two, I was sweating. Three, I was, <laughs> I was not feeling good. And I went to my dad and said, Dad, I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling sick. Do you mind covering for me uh, and maybe preach tonight? And I appreciate my dad. You know, in the, in the rhythm, you don't appreciate the process. But looking back, I appreciate the process. He was old school. He was, I mean, one time, I used to play the drums on the worship team, and I remember one time coming off the, the drums on Sunday morning, and I would come off and go get a drink, use the bathroom, come back, get, grab your Bible, and sit down. And I hear him say, my son doesn't realize it, but he's going to preach this morning, and I'll let him get a drink of water and get his Bible, and he can come take the pulpit and preach. <laughs> and when I asked him later, why did you do that? I get the be instant, in season and out of season. And so I'm like, Dad, I'm sweating. I'm not feeling good. Uh, do you mind covering for me tonight? You know, I need a little mercy and grace sympathy here. And he said, sorry, son, I preach this morning. Sunday nights are yours. <laughs> and I remember you know, I mean, getting up, taking a shower, getting cleaned up, aching, shivering, sweating, 
feeling horrible, trying to feel spiritual. And if you want to grow in the things of God, you got to learn that you won't always feel spiritual. Because feeling is a feeling. you got to write that down. That is deep. Feeling is just a feeling. And feelings come and go. You know what I mean? That's like saying, I don't think I love my spouse anymore. Why? Because I don't have warm and fuzzies. Mm, you've been married three weeks. Don't worry. It'll, it'll, you'll, you'll get that figured out. Love is not always based on feelings because feelings. Okay, so back to the, and so, so I got up, played the drums, took the, I had to play the drums too. How do you keep beat when you're not feeling good? But anyway, help me, Jesus. And so I took the platform and began to preach. And as the anointing came, I wish I could tell you I had all the ins and outs of everything on this, and nobody does, only Jesus. But when I stepped behind the, the pulpit and began to preach, the anointing hit. And when the anointing came, every symptom I had, I remember it like it was yesterday. Every symptom, I can't tell you what I ate last week. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I, every symptom, that 21-day fast, where we're almost at the end of this thing, every, help me, Jesus, every symptom I had disappeared. And I remember thinking, the Lord just healed me. I preached that message. I sweat. I preached. I, it was awesome. Prayed for people to the whole nine years. Got done. I was like, I am so glad. I, I'm feeling wonderful. And when my, and in those days, the platform had steps on the front of it. Some of you, how many people remember Bell Fountain? How many people have no idea what I'm talking about when I say Bell Fountain? I'm just, I'm doing a poll here. Seriously, how many people have no idea? You've never been in the Bell Fountain location? Wow, okay. And so I take, I'm walking off the platform, and literally as my back of my last foot leaves that last step, every symptom came back. <laughs> the first time I went to the Philippines, uh, this was a ministry my dad had started. He had felt compelled by God to, to go into the mission field. And instead of just sending people, the idea was to develop churches in foreign countries using the locals because they know the culture, they know, them, they know the language, and you eliminate a lot of those barriers. And so he found a guy literally working in the fields that wanted and was called to be a pastor but couldn't afford it. And so they began to, as a church, we would pay for his salary for two years, freeing him up to pastor. After that, we'd, we would stop that because if he's really good, we're giving him an opportunity. He should have built something that can sustain it, and that we would just keep adding that to more people, more churches, and they would do it too. And had, have had up at one time 200 Hope Churches in the Philippines. There's still a lot. I don't know the number, quite honestly. Um, you get to a certain point, it, it's just the reality. I'm just real with you. I'm being transparent. And uh, when my dad passed away at that time, I thought for sure that they were just going to be gone. Because when you start talking about a foreign mission organization of 200 churches, can I, get, can I bring you behind the curtain a little bit for a few minutes? Because money is a powerful tool, but it's a horrible master. You need it. We need it to do what God's called us to do, but you've got to be careful. Some people will get lured by it. And, and even in the church world, it, it could literally have been a, a bidding game. For mega churches to come in and say, we'll give you X amount of dollars and outbid everybody just to have you change your name and now we can say we have 200 churches in the mission field and use it as a fundraiser. That's just, that's just a reality. We, the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the glory may be of God. The Bible says Jesus didn't commit himself to the crowd because he knew what was in man. 
You have to, you have to love Jesus more than you love your, your dream expectation of the perfect people in the world because only Jesus is perfect. And so I, I had that reality, and I just, I expected that I would get a call and say, you know, we were connected because I had never been to the Philippines at that time. I didn't have that personal relationship. It was between my dad and the leadership. And I just assumed I was going to get a phone call. You know what? Uh, you're, we were connected to your dad. We're going to go on to another ministry, connect ourselves with them, yada, yada, yada. Try to make it sound nice. Reverse engineer what they really don't want to say. How many, how many people have ever done that? Don't raise your hands. Rhetorical. You do what you want, and then you spiritualize it later. The Lord's leading us. No, he's not. You are offended, and you just don't want to tell us. But anyway. And so... I'm being, see, what happens when you don't eat? I guess you get a little more reason here. I'm just telling you, I like it is. And so, um, and so that was my expectation. So the phone call came, and I thought, okay, here we go. And uh, I'm dealing with the grief of my loss of my dad. I'm dealing with the transition, and I got to deal with this, but that's okay. And I get a phone call, and Pastor Jesse at the time, who's Jesse Ramos, uh, is the national director of all our, and still is, of our churches. And he said, Pastor Greg, my wife and I are calling, and all of the pastors representing Hope Church Ministries International, and we just want to offer our condolences. Your dad was like a dad to us. And we're, we're grieving, we're crying alongside you. We also are kingdom-minded, and we want you to know that we understand and respect authority. And we believe, we've already met here, and we believe that the mantle that was on your dad has now been moved, transferred to you. And I'm calling, representing all the 200 pastors of Hope Churches, let you know we are bringing ourselves under submission to your authority. Now, you know what that is? That's an Abram going to Abraham. That was all God, because there's no way I could have worked that up. That's when you get a reality check. Lord, what are you doing? And so obviously at that point, we started traveling. And the very first trip that we went, we, we booked that thing. I mean, I was there 10 days. And if you've never heard me talk about it, to fly to the Philippines on a good, usually it takes three legs from St. Louis, on a good travel day, it's 22 hours to get there. That's good, because the worst case is 40 hours to get there. So you get there about 20, by the time you got to get to the airport before, so you're talking 24 hours of travel, and then once you get there, they're 13 hours ahead. So if the 24 hours of traveling didn't mess you up as far as physical and like, where am I? The 13 hours ahead and the flip. So, so, you know what I mean? I would call my wife, her morning, my evening, that kind of deal. And so, but we booked this thing. We were doing, we were going so many places and we drove up north after several days of ministering. We drove up north to an area called Pangasinan, very rural, very like OMG. And, uh, so it was a, like a five-hour drive in a van, and I'll make this quick. And we were, we were getting there, and we stopped, and we ate. Now, when you travel internationally, you got to be very careful what you eat and drink. And we stopped at this restaurant, and Pastor Jesse said it was okay, but that's not good enough for me. <laughs> they lived there. And I had uh, Brother Hobart, if you remember him. Uh, out of uh, Rick Shelton's church that was close friends and traveled with my dad many times. He'd been a pastor, evangelist, and missionary, and he was like in his upper 70s and traveled with me. He was like, oh, this will be good. So we ate at like a KFC. It, it makes me feel nauseous thinking about it. <laughs> I went from being hungry from the fast, and now I'm just like <laughs> feeling these cold flashes of sweat come to me. And so I ate some food, didn't eat a lot, and oh, was that a mistake. And so we got up north, and we did an outdoor crusade, and we 
preach and it's 100 degrees and I didn't wear the right clothes. I had long sleeve Filipino clothes on. Not the one that keeps it cool, but the one that looks nice. And I think this is therapy for me, so appreciate you listening, so I don't know. And so I get up there, I'm reliving all this stuff, and I, I get out there and we're preaching and we start praying for people and, we, you know, I, when I did one of those things and Jesse, Pastor Jesse is my interpreter and I said, if you have any pain in your body and want prayer, stand up because I like praying for people with pain because then you know immediately what God's doing in the moment and that brings you into the next level. And so uh, 90% of them stood up and I, think, I don't think they understood, so we did it again and they all stood up. And I thought, okay, we'll just start praying. And I began to pray for people. People started getting healed. And when people started getting healed, the other people got excited. Because we were in such a rural area, they didn't have hospitals. Yeah. It was rough. It was rough. And I started praying. And they started getting excited. As they started getting excited, they started surrounding me. And I started moving a little bit to get space. And I found myself on the platform. And they were all the way up. And they had surrounded me. And for my own personal experience, for the very first time, I had a sense of, I wonder if Jesus dealt with this. I was outside in like 100 degree weather. And I literally felt the oxygen be sucked away. Because there were so many people pushing in. That I, I, I was having trouble catching my breath. Because they were breathing the oxygen in. It's the weirdest dynamic. You want to go on the mission field with me? <laughs> right now you're like, going, oh, no, I ain't going anywhere. And so, and so I had Pastor Jesse, uh, I mean, the other pastor, we started praying for people. And not to be crude, but man, right in all that heat and all that sweat and all that oxygen thing, I had a dumb and dumber moment. My stomach went, <laughs> no way. I don't think they even had plumbing out there. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Pastor said, we're going to go to a house. Afterwards, we're going to go to a house to have dinner with the people that are over there. I said, Pastor, I'm, I'm not feeling good. I need to get home. Hotel now. Oh, okay, Pastor Greg. So we get in the van to drive five hours. It's like, it's like you're in St. Louis and you got to get to Kansas City. Five hours, and so I, I can only think, only thing I can do is fall asleep. I thought that, and so I'm sleeping in the van because against the air condition, and I didn't bring a change of clothes, so my shirt is wet. By the time we get there, it was like one in the morning, and I had been on an air conditioner, and we had to get up and fly out at 6 a.m. So I, I went to bed, three, four hours later, got up, got cleaned up, and I had no voice. Heat, sweat, AC, you name it. I won't give you all the details about the other stuff, but you name it. You have to, you have to use your imagination. And so we had to fly south to Behold at a dedication of a new serve, uh, building, and I, I was a speaker. And I had to, I could only whisper. I had no voice. And I told Brother Hobart, you might need to preach. I don't have a voice. He said, okay, I'll so uh, Pastor Jesse invited me up on the stage, and when I got up there, and I got behind the mic, the anointing came. And when the anointing came, my voice came back. And I was able to preach the length of the message and minister to the people. But when I left the pulpit, I was thinking, this is awesome! This is going to be the greatest thing I can ever do. It left. 
as God's showing me, listen, the anointing's real. As you get into this thing, we got to move beyond that. I'm going to church just to feel high emotion and I call it the anointing. There is a tangibility to the anointing that torments even demons. When Jesus would walk demons or cry, we know who you are. Yeah. Send us into those pigs. He didn't even ask. He said, Why? Because the anointing was so strong. There is levels of anointing. Yeah. Listen, every person in the kingdom of God is important. Jesus made that clear. That of all the prophets in the Old Testament, John the Baptist is the greatest of all of them, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. In the kingdom of the New Testament, every child of God is, is important. But don't misunderstand that there is a rank and order in the kingdom of God and the army of God. Not, not everybody's a general. There is levels, and the anointing of God will will not only empower you, encourage you, strengthen you, deliver you, it will move you and propel you, enable you to do what only God will lead you to do. Amen. And we need to learn to understand that this is not a mind over matter. This is not an emotional hype. I've had times where the Holy Spirit walking in my, it, literally like he's walking into my car while I'm driving. I'd be caught off guard and say, what do you, yes, Lord, what do you, what do you want? What are you doing? It would be so cool. Yeah. The intensity of a worship moment being encapsulated in a moment of my car. The presence of God is so real and so tangible. Now, don't be flaky and going, ooh, trying to feel stuff. No, no, they, they, those people, they, they get emotion. Get real with the word of God and with God. A couple things we can do. Number one, first, increase the anointing. We have to get passionate about the presence of God. Amen. When the presence of God is not important to you, What you value will increase in your life. You have to understand that. Don't tell me you value the presence of God and you subject your eyes and your ears and your life into places and situations that grieve him. You don't need to have someone tell you. This whole thing where everybody's trying to be holy because some, they're living up to a standard that someone else told them is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where you're sensitive to God and if he says don't go there, then you don't go there. It's the presence of God. Be tangible. Be, be passionate about the presence of God. Be passionate about the plans of God. If the anointing is only for your benefit, you're missing out on really what the anointing is. You want to see the anointing is, uh, increase in your life, begin to get your eyes on other people. Yes. I share this in the moment of, I think it was last week. You know I mean? Think about it. If we struggle and our striving goal is to feed our family and you're struggling with it, let me encourage you. Start looking for ideas to feed your neighbors in your neighborhood. Because as you keep going up the ranks of problems, the lesser problem becomes easier to deal with. And if God will give you a solution for the greater, guess what? The easy, listen, David didn't have to worry about the lions and bears anymore once he killed Goliath. If you're like, man, I'm just needing this, try to raise the bar. That's one of the things I love that we do. We come together as a church, and we have a free grocery store to feed people. You know, you're a part of that in your giving, in your involvement, in your involvement, whatever. When you're a part of that, you have an expectation. The Bible says, muzzle not the ox that treads out the corn, which means that if you're a part of it, you have a benefit from it. And you can say, God, I'm helping the neighborhood be fed, so I know my family's well taken care of. 
But I need somebody to pray for me, Pastor, because I'm not feeling the best today. I need someone to encourage me. Go encourage five people and see if it doesn't encourage you in the process. Go pray for other people and see if it doesn't change your situation. The Bible says that when Job prayed for his friends, God turned his own situation around. What am I doing? Telling you, raise the bar of your expectation instead of saying, how do I solve my problem? Begin to say, God, how do I solve a bigger problem for other people? And in the process, guess what? God will show you what to do with yours. Amen. Be passionate about the presence of God. Be passionate about the plans of God. Amen. Be passionate about the process of God. Lord, what do you want me to do here? Because it's, he anoints what he assigns. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For this reason, the Bible says, that for this reason was the Son of Man manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. If our lives never think about eternity and the lives of other people for eternity, maybe we're limiting the anointing. But I'm, I'm glad to tell you that Hope Church is a church for souls that get saved. Are you with me? Hope Church is a church that loves to see people healed, ministered, and delivered. We are a church that we are not just looking in the moment, but we're saying we're going to step over the line and say, devil, take your hands off that person. We're not here just to see how good we can live it. Although God wants you to have a great life, John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy but I've come that you might have Zoe, the God kind of life, eternal, a life beyond. Are you listening to me? You, that you might have life and life more abundantly. The Zoe, the God quality of life. God wants you to have it, but he wants you to live where you're sharing it and waking up in the morning and not just saying, how can I store more for me? But begin to wake up and say, Lord, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. Show me what to do. We need to, listen, you want to walk into a place, you have the anointing on the inside of you, but there, we need the anointing also upon us. You got to walk up and say, Father, I thank you. I have the Holy Spirit on the inside, and he's a river flowing. But, Lord, I also need the anointing upon me. I'm getting ready to walk into that office. I'm getting ready to walk into that job. I'm getting ready to walk back into my house. I'm getting ready to walk into a situation that seems difficult, and I need your anointing. I'm depending on for you to tell me what I need to say. I need to hear what you need me to hear. I need to see what you need me to see. What if we begin to pray Ephesians 1? God, open my eyes. Open the eyes of my church family today. We're Wherever they might be, whoever they might be, God, open their eyes so they can know and see what you want them to see today. And begin to live beyond our greatest ability, not because we can do it on our own self, not by might, not by power, the Bible says, but by my spirit. And we begin to say, God, I'm not doing my plans looking for you to achieve them. You don't work for me. I work for you. I'm here to put your plans into action. God, show me what you want me to do, and I'm going to jump into this because I know that it's not me alone. I know that I'm with you, and with you I can do all things through the anointed one and his anointing who strengthens me. If you believe that, give the Lord a lot of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The anointing is the game changer. Don't forget it. I pray if you ever run into a challenge that the Word of God will be alive in your spirit. The Holy Spirit saying, trust me. Let me show you. Let me change the game for you. Take 30 seconds, lift up your hand, say, change my game, Lord Jesus. You're the game changer, Lord. You're the game changer. Father, I thank you for your anointing. 
Anoint every person under the sound of my voice that desires your presence. We thank you for a fresh anointing. I ask for a stronger anointing to come upon this house, upon these people, to do what you've called them to do. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. If you're here, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking you, is Jesus real to you in a way that you know for yourself? Not if you mentally know about him, but in your heart, if you know that he's real and your Lord and Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're like, Pastor, I don't know him in a real way. I know about him, but I don't know if he's my Lord and Savior. I'm telling you, you don't have to lay your head on your pillow tonight dealing with the, the condemnation, the dark cloud of sin. You can know without any question, shadow of doubt, that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and that you're going to heaven and not hell. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and knock. If you answer, I'll come in. Give him an opportunity. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. No one moving around, every head bowed, every eye closed. You've been an amazing group of people today. I so appreciate you. But right now, we're, we're going to fish for some souls. So you quietly pray for someone right now, or, or just quietly pray for them. So if you do not have a right relationship with Jesus, but you want to get, give your heart back to him and know without any questions or doubt that he is your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, tied on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart Wash me in your blood. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the doors of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand so I know who I was praying with, and I want to speak a blessing over your life. One, two, three. Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Who was I praying with? I see the hand, the second hand. God bless you. I see that third hand, the fourth hand. God bless you. I see that fifth hand. God bless you. Sixth hand, seventh hand, eighth hand, ninth, tenth. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, give me 11. God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Go ahead and put your hands up again. Let me speak a blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, those who raise your hands, those who raise your heads just got saved. Put your hand up. Father, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, I ask you to strengthen them with might by your spirit in the inner man. I thank you for that. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we seal them with the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you. We curse and bind anything the enemies used against them in the past. We command it to fail and dissolve and dissipate. We thank you for your peace and your joy. And everyone said, Amen.